0: Welcome to Greater Alton Church. It's good to have you with us here on an on a Easter Sunday morning. And and uh, I don't know what your plans are today. I'm sure there's some people here that are planning Easter egg hunts. and Maybe you're planning to have ham. I don't know why it's ham, but we're going to have ham or something. But I know we're planning some things at our house and having a few friends over and our family. And can I tell you that God had a plan for Easter? It was to empty a tomb. And His plan was... Not eggs and chocolate. It was to empty a grave, so he could get in your life. He wants to fill your life. If you have some notes uh, uh, in your bulletin, if you want to follow along today. I want to talk a little bit about how a empty tomb can fill your life. And um, I find it very encouraging when I think about this. You know, there's no guys. I, I, I realize if you stop and think about it, you, don't you realize we live in a big cemetery? You live in a cemetery. You say, "No, I don't." Yes, you do. Just think about it. We all go to die, and I'm not trying to depress you, but we all live in a cemetery. Uh, everything dies. Uh, this morning, I'm listening to 550 early this morning. That's when they have all those vitamin things on, you know. And here I am in my 50s, and I'm listening to this stuff. You can have antioxidants that are two thousands more thousand times more powerful than the than vitamin C and 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 this guy's found out that this new antioxidant will keep your body from rusting. I'm like, am I the tin man or something? What are you talking about here? And he's talking about an anti-aging antioxidant that works much like lemon juice does when you cut an apple in half. And it turns brown if you leave it alone long enough. But if you put the lemon juice on it, the vitamin C keeps the apple from going bad. And this antioxidant works the same way. And I thought, wow, you can look years lo- younger and you can be on the plant a long time. But I couldn't help but think, even though I may be on the plant a little bit longer if I buy this product, I still live in a cemetery. You still live in a cemetery. Everything is going to die. Even trees, even animals. We just That's the way it is. God, through Jesus Christ, came to change all that. He wants you to know there's more beyond than this life on earth. That it isn't over. It doesn't have to be over when you die. It can be a new beginning. That's what the empty tomb is. You realize there is no religious group in the world that claims an empty tomb other than Christianity. Judaism can't claim it. Abraham, who they call the father of the Jews, they, they say he's the father of our faith, had died 2,000 years before Jesus came to earth. And his tomb is still in Palestine. They still know where it is. Buddha, he's dead. He's in his grave. His bones can be found in his grave, the great Buddha. Buddha. Muhammad, who died in 643 A.D. A.D. now. This guy, well, to be, um, he died in Medina, and his grave is still in Medina. It's still there. You can't find the bones of Jesus anywhere. You can't find His body anywhere because He left His tomb. I appreciated Drew Law reading that passage what a great job, huh? Great job, and I and you know that soft voice doesn't make you listen a little closer. I'm not sure well, you're thinking, speak up, speak up. But I think it made us, it was quiet as a tomb. In here. And I listened, and I couldn't help but notice some some details that that escapes me when you're reading the Bible quietly to yourself. We need to hear the Bible read more publicly. We get things we probably never never get when we just read it. Privately, and I'll explain that in a few minutes here. But as you read that account, you can't help but but be somewhat just mesmerized by the idea that only Christianity claims that there's an empty tomb, and there's a reason that the tomb is empty, and no one else's seems to no one else can seem to get out of theirs. You see that? Only Jesus can. And, um, well, look what the Bible says in your notes. here. Look what it says here. I love this. The angels say this to a couple of women. He's not here. He has risen from the dead as He said He would. And I love this. Come and see the place where His body was. What? Where it was. Now, I've done a lot of funerals, folks. Lots of funerals. But I've never had anybody call me and say, Hey, that guy you buried last week, Tim he's out and about you need to come and see where the body was no I, we know when, we know at the funeral when we go to the cemetery and we put that casket in the ground it's there and we expect it to stay there a lot of people expected this tomb to stay filled And Jesus says, "Uh uh-uh, it's going to be vacant. And there's a reason for that. It's empty so that you and I, our lives can be filled. Now, this passage I want to show you on your notes. It's Ephesians. I believe it's Ephesians, isn't it? Yeah. Look at what it says here. The Apostle Paul says these words. I pray that you will have greater understanding. Circle greater understanding for a minute there. Just look at that. Greater understanding. Fuller understanding. Could we say that? Greater understanding in your heart. Then you will know the hope, circle hope, that God has chosen to give us. I pray that you will know that the blessings, circle blessings, God has promised, would you circle promise? His holy people are rich and glorious. Sounds like it's full, doesn't it? Yeah. Look look what else it says as we go on here. It says these words. It says... uh, Can can we... Have we got the next one? Yeah. And you will know... No, no, bring it back. Yeah. And you will know that God's power, circle power, is very great for us. That doesn't sound a little bit, but a lot of bit. Huh? Who believe. That power, and what is it? It's that power is the same as the great strength God used to raise Christ from the dead and put Him at His right side in heaven. He's saying, I want you to have all of these things. I want them to fill your life And they come from an empty tomb. So I got to thinking, well, what does God fill us with? What does God want to fill you and I with from His empty tomb? Let me encourage you with four, I believe, powerful, powerful thoughts this morning that we can get from this empty tomb on Easter Sunday. The first one is, the empty tomb fills me with confidence in God's proof. If there's anything about the tomb... It isn't done in a corner. It isn't done with wires and strings and smoking mirrors. Now, we tried. Okay? One time we did this in a cave. We did it in a cave and Greg Chapel was our dead body. And it just so happened there was a slab of this stone uh, in this cave. It was perfect. And there was room underneath the stone. And Greg, there's critters in caves. Spiders, lizards, snakes. Icky things. I've not done. I'm not volunteering to be the dead body. Greg goes pick me. And we did this illusion, you know. And he gets and he gets. He crawls under the stone. Uh, where there's a space. So the kids are coming up and they're looking for the body. And he's under there. And they're going, man, he really did disappear. <laughs> okay. So Michael's back there, just laying down. <laughs> Wave, Michael. Oh, okay, yeah, we go. Oh, I just want... To... I know we're... No... You can come out. Go ahead. Come on out. You... Good job. Oh, I'm glad you didn't wear cowboy boots. So... Okay. I didn't want you to lay back. I got to thinking. That's not fair. Because I'm afraid as I'm talking, he might start snoring, and then we really got a problem with the resurrection. But you know, it's, the tomb was empty and there was no fancy smoke machine or uh, wires or you know Jesus said no I'm going to I'm going to do this in public. I'm going to make this so public and so clear that you can't miss it. Have you ever done this? Have you ever thought, man, if I lived back then, have you ever thought this or heard somebody say this, if I lived back then and I saw Jesus, I wouldn't have trouble believing in him in him. I have. But the thing is, the people who did see him back then had trouble. They had trouble. Look what it says here. One day, the teachers of religious law. These are religious people. And the Pharisees, Pharisees, by the way, knew their Bibles extremely well, came to Jesus and said, Teacher, we want you to show us a miraculous sign to prove that you are from God. Give us a sign. But Jesus replied, Only an evil, faithless generation would ask for a miraculous sign. But the only sign I will give them is the sign of the prophet Jonah. For as Jonah was three days and three nights in the belly of a huge fish, so the Son of Man will be there, be three days and three nights in the heart of the earth. Jesus, they say, We want a sign. I mean, how many signs do you need? He walked on water. He fed 5,000. He cleansed lepers. He raised the dead. And his teaching was amazing. This guy's done some incredible things no one else could do. We want more proof. And he says, you guys are faithless and evil. Now, I don't know about you. I would expect him to say, and because of that, I'm not giving you any more proof. But what does he do? Okay. I'll give you some proof. It'll prove how faithless and evil you are, but I'll give you some proof. And I just think it's so awesome that that God's, even though, you know, we may be at times, have you ever felt sometimes faithless? Maybe evil sounds strong. It means bad. There's times I've felt bad and faithless. And yet God says, I will supply you with truth. Maybe you've got questions about the resurrection. Maybe you're a skeptic. Or maybe you're really trying to search it out. God says, "Look, I will give you proof. I'll try to give you as much as I can." You know, when I was listening to Drew read the passage, did you catch that? You know, in in the account of the the resurrection of Christ, everybody had doubts. Nobody thought he was going to live again. The women are coming to the tomb with spices. Talking about how's the stone going to get moved? The disciples are hiding because they don't. I don't know about you, but if I was a disciple. Here's what I'd be doing. I'd find me a rock right there across from the tomb on the third day. Get my popcorn and Mr. Pib. Wait for the show. Start the movie! Right? We want a show. My brother and I do that when we go to the theater. We embarrass our families. So, you see I'm saying? I would have been sitting there. I would have been sitting there waiting to see it. No, you know where the disciples are? They're hiding. Why? They don't believe He's going to resurrect. The Jews, they kind of wonder, but they don't think he's going to resurrect. They post guards because they think it's going to get stolen, and that'll that, that that'll be worse than the first lie. And we know this guy's a liar. Maybe you've got questions. You know, everybody if you're somebody who says, I just have a hard time believing some things in the Bible, and this is one of them amongst of others. You're in the right place. We all. Even disciples. Even the best disciples we have here. Don't we have doubts? Aren't there moments we doubt? After all, the twelve, when Jesus was getting ready to ascend into heaven, if Drew would have read on, okay? Because we had to stop somewhere. We would have heard, and the disciples gathered with Jesus on the mountain, but some doubted. Even the best disciples have times where they doubt stuff in the Bible. I just can't believe that, or I just don't see that. And you're right, and I'm right when I say it too. We don't see it. We're blind to it, and we have doubts. But God supplies proof. Mary Magdalene, you know, if she's over. She comes to the tomb, Lord, or where's the body? And here comes a guy. Who walks up to. Her. What are you doing? What are you looking for? He's, you know. She thinks it's the gardener. Why does she think it's the gardener? Somebody stole the body. Why is she saying that? She doesn't believe he resurrected. People were there and had doubts. Three days later, had doubts. Here we are 2,000 years later, and we still doubt. But some doubted. What does God do with that? Because I want to give you some proof. I want to give you some confidence believing that that tomb that Jesus was in is really empty. Because if it is, folks, and He can supply enough truth to give you confidence, guess what? Then everything Jesus claims and everything He says is true. And He can bless your life. Now, I've got four questions and I want to go through them quickly because I know you've got ovens going and people coming. So let's, let's see if we can get through these. What? Four popular questions people ask every Easter, uh, whether it's Da Vinci Code people or Lord knows somebody on a and they start questioning it. The, one, the first question a lot of people ask is, well, was Jesus unconscious? Could he have been unconscious? What do you mean? Well, they call it the swoon theory. He wasn't really dead. Folks, he was really dead. Well, how do you know that, Tim? Well, the Bible, the Bible along with Roman history is very clear. You know, the Bible doesn't change the story of how Romans kill people. It doesn't doesn't try to glorify it. It just lays it out. That's what I love about the Bible. It lets you and I make up our minds. But it just makes it clear. It confirms Roman history that Romans were good at killing people. If you wanted to complicate a Roman, I guess, you could say, you're really good at killing people. I would not take that as a compliment, but there you are. They were great at it. This sounds weird. But they were great at it, okay. And the thing I notice is, look at this in John 19 up here on the screen. Just when they came to the body of Jesus, it says, and they found that he was already dead. I'll read it to you, John 19:33-34. They did not break his legs. Why did they break his legs? See, Romans, when they were crucifying somebody and they weren't quite dead, they would break their legs. That would prevent them from standing up a little bit against the nails on their feet, so they could breathe. Because the way crucifixion worked was it it made you, it tired you, and slowly, and and just uh, heartlessly made you suffer and die. They really wanted to punish you, and they were great at torturing people. That's why you got Jews getting beat up and flogged and. Crown of thorns and all, and spitting, and you know, Isaiah fifty three says a beating where you couldn't even recognize him. So they were good at this; they knew what to do to humiliate people and, and punish them and destroy them. And and so they come to Jesus to break his legs, assuming he might be still alive. And they look. Now they don't do this; they look. He's not breathing. He's not moving and they pass by. How do they know that? They've got lots of experience with this, folks. They know what they're doing. And just to make sure they take a spear and they run it up right under the ribcage through the lungs into the, into the guy's heart, into the Lord's heart. And when they bring it out, and I can see it, I can picture it. It's not like jab. I don't know if they're that good. But I could see them going like this and kind of just... and then ripping it out. And blood and water mingled together, which meant... His lungs were full of fluid. He suffocates. His heart is exploded. It's it's just... It's ruptured. They know that. They've done thousands upon thousands of these. So they know what they're doing. So, so I just want you to know, you know, you wonder, was he dead? Well... Yes, he was. I, I think he was. I read I read this. Somebody said, Dear Eutychus, our preacher said on Easter that Jesus passed out on the cross and that the disciples nursed him back to health. What do you think? Signed, bewildered. And here was the response from Eutychus. Dear bewildered, beat your preacher with a Roman whip 39 times. Don't do that. Oh, okay, I'm not claiming that. Okay after that, nail him on a cross, hang him in the sun for six hours, run a spear through his heart, embalm him, and then put him in an airless tomb for 36 hours and see what happens. Oh, my. Was he really dead? He was dead. He was dead. I mean, think about this. If Jesus had survived... Then he would have had to unwrap himself out of the grave clothes, which were not like wrapped around each leg and arm. It was the whole body. He had to have done that himself. Moved a two-ton stone out of the way. Overpowered a squad of Roman soldiers, which could have been between eight and eighteen soldiers. And then walked fourteen miles to Jerusalem. He was dead. He was dead. Here's question number two. Is it possible the body was stolen? You know listening to Drew read, did you hear that? That was that story was still around. Of the day of, of, of Matthew's writing, he said to this day, they think they pay the Roman soldiers to lie. The Jews the Jews do. Now you say, Well somebody stole the body. Well let's steal through this. Well who would have stolen the body? Did the Romans steal the body? Well no, we know they didn't steal the body because they were embarrassed that the tomb was empty on their watch. And they're getting bribed to spread a lie. What about the Jews? They stole the body. No, they didn't steal the body. They put guards up to make sure nobody stole the body. Isn't that something? Well, the disciples stole the body. Where were the disciples? They're hiding. They're terrified. And they didn't believe he would come back to life. And guys, they died for their faith. Thousands upon thousands of these guys and women, children, died for something that was alive. His body wasn't stolen. It was guarded. It was sealed. Nobody wanted the body. Nobody believed it would come out of the tomb. So it wasn't that his body was stolen. Here's another question. <laughs> What about was he? Was he maybe he was uh, buried in the wrong tomb? I've heard stories like that. You know, if, if they get babies wrong at birth, switched at birth, could the mortician switch to death? It's possible. Uh, we, well, I mean, you read some crazy thing, watch something on True TV, or read something National Choir, or something you know, where somebody was buried in the wrong cemetery. Oops! I mean, here in our own state, Lincoln, his body was try has been attempted to be stolen. In fact, one time they had it out and they were looking at it when they got caught. And what did we finally do after rumors of the body being stolen? We sealed it in concrete. So yeah, it's possible the body was, you know, it was or, or, or was it stolen? But it's not. Was it in the wrong tomb? Well, that's a good question. You can get it wrong. You can have it and maybe in the wrong tomb. But if for that to happen, Joseph Moratheia had to have buried him in, in, his, in the wrong tomb, which he made for himself. He made it for himself. The Roman guards then guarded the wrong tomb. The women went to the wrong tomb. Peter and John went to the wrong tomb. The angels are at the wrong tomb. Somebody's messed up. Or could it be there at the right tomb all along? It just seems that they're at the right tune. It seems that that's where they are. Here's another one. Could it be a case of mistaken identity? Have you ever saw somebody look like somebody you knew? You ever saw somebody you thought was that person, but they had died maybe a month ago or two or two months ago? I remember seeing somebody looked ex- almost exactly like my father after my father died. Here in Alton, I was... Having, eating a breakfast, and this guy walks in, and I went, it freaked me out. I'm going, my goodness, I did a double take. I went, oh, that's my dad. Looked again, no, wait a minute. After looking just a few seconds more, I realized, no, because his voice wasn't, his, his language wasn't as colorful as my old man. He also, you know, he had a crew cut and glasses, his ears were a little bit different after I took had some time to look. And his voice sounded different. I realized that's not my father. He looks like my father. Well, so is it possible? They crucified the wrong Jesus. Everybody knew who Jesus was. Well, maybe they crucified somebody who looked like Jesus. And then Jesus, you know, appears... Everybody knew who Jesus was. The Jews knew who Jesus was. The Romans knew who Jesus was. The disciples knew who Jesus was. It wasn't a mistaken identity. There was no double, no stunt double. It was Him. And here's the thing I love about this. I think on your notes it has these verses. I may be wrong if they don't. It says in Acts 1-3, Acts 1-3 says this, that He appeared, he appeared 40 days. For forty days after he resurrected, that's that's a lot of double takes, huh? You could really investigate somebody to see if it was somebody else. And in First Corinthians fifteen six, the Apostle Paul would say he appeared to five hundred different men. So if anybody had trouble recognizing Jesus, somebody else would catch it. See, it was Jesus who was crucified, and it was Jesus who appeared. And came out of the tomb, and I say this to you this morning simply because I want you to, I want you all to know, especially if you're a Christian, and you're a disciple, that, that you, I want you to know, you you can be confident that there's plenty of proof that the tomb is empty, and because the tomb is empty, guys, you, you you not only can be filled with that confidence of what Jesus says is true, the second thing follows here, the second thought from this empty tomb is. And that is that it can fill you with hope in God's promises. I heard somebody say one time, you know, there's 3,000 promises in the Bible. I went, wow, that's a lot of promises. I've never counted. Then somebody else said, there's 7,000 promises in the Bible. I go, wow. And Then this week I, heard, I read somebody says there's 9,000 promises in the Bible. I concluded something. There's a whole lot of promises in the Bible. There's a bunch of them. You know, and, and, and there's so, so many you may not be able to count them all. There's so many promises in the Bible. And because the tomb is empty, church, that means that Jesus promised. Look what he says here. Look what he says. Destroy this temple. You know, he says, destroy this temple and I'll raise it again in three days. How are you at fulfilling promises? I'll be there at six. Liar. We text. I'll be there in 30 minutes. Liar, liar. Pants on fire. Right? We can't even make it to appointments on time. Jesus says, three days. Kill me. Destroy this. And watch what happens. I read somewhere in one of the translations that says that Jesus was indestructible. And he's making that claim. Destroy me. Destroy me. Try it. I dare you. I triple dog. I triple dog. Dare you. And I'll raise up in three days, and he's not late. He doesn't text ahead and go, "I'm oh, a little late." Take another thirty minutes here. No. Well, we've got to look at this. Let's think about this, church. He's not late. You got to keep a promise. Well, you know, that depends on the promise. I agree. Difficult promises are harder to keep. Jesus makes a very bold promise here. And He keeps it. Now, if He can keep a promise like that, can He keep a promise that says, I will always take care of you? If you seek Me first, I will take care of you. If He, if he can take care of a promise like this, can He promise, if you just obey Me, you can have the best of the land. That's what Isaiah says. If, we'll, if my people only obey me, they will experience the best. If, if he says, I'm the resurrection, John 5. I'm the resurrection. And whoever believes in me will not die. It's not talking about the body, but will not die, die, die. I can believe that promise. If If, if he says, if the Bible says... Love one another. If it says forgive one another. If it says serve one another. And God will bless your life. You can count on that. If you're faithful to the Lord, He will come through. That's what that's saying. That's what an empty tomb is saying to you and I. I made a promise and I kept it. Well, how come he? I feel like he's not keeping some of my the promises. You know, Tim, I just feel like sometimes God doesn't keep those promises. It may be on your end more on His end. Now I want to focus on one promise for you that I think is so encouraging because it's it's at Easter that this happens, the very first one. And that is there's this promise that God that Jesus gives at the resurrection. And it goes something like this. It says here it's in Mark sixteen verse seven. And look what it says here. Now go and tell his followers and Peter, you will see him there, as he told you before. Drew read in Matthew twenty eight says, and go tell the disciples to meet me in Galilee. Where I said I would, where I promised I would, would be, and I think it's, I love the way Mark says this because he caught something that the angels were saying, "Go tell the disciples," and he says, and Peter singles out Peter. I want to see them. I've come out of the tomb because I want to see my disciples. I don't know how you are. I look at scriptures kind of funny sometimes. But I'm sitting there thinking to myself if I was Jesus, I wouldn't want to see Peter. Would you? You denied me. You denied me not once, but, tw- but three times. I told you it was going to happen. No, here's what I'm going to do. Angels, tell them and tell John to meet me at Galilee. John was the only one that stayed. Remember, he's at the cross. Those other guys, meh. But what Jesus say? I want, I want these followers that are—they've messed up. They've, 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 they've denied me. They've disappointed me. They, have not followed through. They've not been faithful. I want to see them. That just gives me so much assurance. They, see, Jesus. What's he want to do when he comes out of the tomb? Is He, he comes out of the tomb to have a relationship with me. And guys, I don't know where you are, but I know there's times I blow it so big. I blow it so much. And I don't feel like I'm very good, very faithful. You say, uh, really, Tim? Absolutely. I'm not, I'm not putting on an act here. And to think that, that God wants to have a relationship with me. I'm going, how can you have a relationship? How can you want to be with someone like me? Who's fearful at times and doesn't and doesn't follow through? Who's who's hateful at times and says God awful things and thinks God awful things or or doesn't follow through on a promise or or lies or shades or 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 hides? How can the world can you have wanted to have anything to do with me? He comes out of the tomb. See, my, this tomb tells me, Tim, I come out, I come out of the tomb because I love you. Nothing is going to keep me from loving you. Look what it says here in Romans. Nothing can separate us from the love of God has for us. Not death, not life, not angels. Man, even angels can't keep God from. Don't love. God, stop you. No, don't love him. Get out of my way. I'm loving this man. He screwed up this week. I'm the messenger. I'm bringing a message. I'm tattletailing on Tim. He did this and this and this and this and this. Get out of my way. Because he did this and this and this and this, he probably needs me now more than ever. Not ruling spirits. I don't know. What are those? Demons? I don't know what those are, ruling spirits. Nothing now. Nothing in the future. Jesus, you know He's going to screw up tomorrow. God, stay away from Him. He's, he, look, he's, he's already getting ready to do it again. Look at Him. Get him my way. I'm going to try to stop Him. Nothing now, nothing in the future. No powers. Nothing above us. Nothing below us. Hell can't, can't stop the Lord. Jesus went to hell for three days, guys. And He said that He preached to them. I wonder what the lesson was. I wonder if the title was, I told you so. I'm not sure. Or, it's hotter than a hijacker's pistol in here, guys. I don't don't know what to tell you. But he makes it clear that even hell can't stop it. God's love. Anything else in the whole world will ever be able to separate us from the love of God that is in Christ Jesus our Lord, that is in the One who came out of this. So maybe you screwed up. Maybe you blew it. Maybe you've bungled something. You didn't quite say it right. You didn't quite do it right. You've hurt somebody or they've hurt you. Because it's a broken... We're living in a cemetery, right? It stinks sometimes. And maybe you stink. And you're sitting next to another stinker. But nothing separates you from God's love. He promises to love you. He, guys, I, I'm going to be doing a wedding. I can't wait. Matthew's counting the days. I'm counting the hours. I can't. I'm like, boy, we're just a few. Man, we're we're almost done with the house. We're going to finish it up almost this week. I can't wait. And we're we're. And one of the things that's going to be said in that wedding is, do you promise to take this? Blah 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 blah. And as long as you both shall live. And I know Brian's going to say, let me think about it. No, she's going to say yes. I hope so. Yes. And and there's going to be somebody, there's going to be some kind of vow that says, until death do us part. They'll say, until death do us us part. You know, we, we make these vows. We say we're going to be together till death separates us. Robert made a great point. In His Lord's Supper, He's separated from His Father right now. What separated Him? Uh, he can't drive to Him? He can't get a car? No. He's living in another town? No. He's died. Jesus says, Death tried to separate My love from you. How dare it try? And He says, Even death can't separate that. Church, He promises that to you so that any time you're challenged by the word of God or you're cut by the word of God it's for your good it's for the best intention and that his his direction is the best you could get when he says don't waste your time there don't waste your time doing that he's not saying that so you won't have fun he's saying so you'll be full full of him Praise God that God fulfills his promises. Third thing, the empty tomb fills me with help from God's power. This was the point I had the hardest trying to find the right word. Michael, this was the one. And I finally God said, Help. Try the word help, Jim. That's too easy. But you but it's true. When I looked at the passage it makes sense. You know, the women are going to the to the to the tomb, right? And as they're going to the tomb, they're talking. And what are they talking about? Who's going to move the stone away? Right. Very, very early on the first day of the week, just after sunrise, they were on their way to the tomb, and they asked each other, "Who will move the stone away from the entrance of the tomb?" We're just three women. Now I've heard stories where three women can carry a piano out of a burning home and get that adrenaline thing going, and I've heard that. Okay. And my wife, you know, okay, got it. There's times that she, the adrenaline can flow and you stay out of her way. I get it. But I don't know if they could move a two-ton stone with all the adrenaline their bodies could create. You know, can, what are we going to do? Do we ask the Roman soldiers? I don't, know if is a, I don't Who is going to move that stone? No bulldozers. How are we going to do this? And when they get there, what do they find? The stone has already been moved away. How? How did He get moved away? The disciples? The Romans? The Jews? They don't want... They've sealed it. They don't want it open. Now this was an inside job. And the power of God that overcomes death... I just think Jesus is like a Jedi... It's nothing. When you've overcome death, what's a stone? What's a boulder? Can I ask you a question this morning? Got two. Let me ask this first one. What's the stone in your way? What's that two ton boulder that you can't seem to budge on your own? I mean, you try. You get a spiritual hernia trying to move that stone. But it won't move. You try everything you can. You even get some people to help you. And they try, it won't budge. It's a habit. You just can't break it. Or maybe you're hurt. You just can't forgive it. You can't get past the pain. It just, it rolls around in your head but never rolls away. Huh? And so it stays in the way. Oh, who's going to move this stone? Only God can move those stones, folks. Jesus said, What is impossible for man to do is possible for God because God can do the things men cannot do. And I want you to know this morning, I love this. I, have you guys watched, uh, I've seen the, the movie The Croods yet? Anybody? Okay, it's just out. I haven't seen it. I haven't seen it. This morning on the radio, it's funny how God does things to you. On the radio, I'm listening, and they're talking about this movie, and they're calling it an Easter film. How? Yeah. And it's about a family who are living in a cave. And when they get out of the cave, they see the wonder. But they got to get out of that. For Jesus to do something awesome, he had to die buried and he had to come out of the tomb. Did you catch what Drew was reading when Jesus died? Did you catch it? What happened when Jesus died? The curtain of the temple split open from top to bottom. From bottom to top, you could have somebody behind a curtain doing that. From the... It's, it's 90 feet in the air, guys, and it's over a foot thick, so no man could rip that in half. The curtain goes in half from top to bottom. What else happens? What? A bunch of people come out of their tombs. Why is he coming out of this tomb? He come out of the tomb to defeat The power and the grip, according to Hebrews 2, of death. So you could step out of your tomb and, like the crudes, face your fears the fear of death, the fear of the problems you have. And if Jesus can conquer death, what problem can he not handle if he's handled the biggest one? See, Easter's about you getting out of your tomb, he wants you free. And He supplies that power. You can't budge the stone, but He can when you trust Him. And the last thing is this. I don't know if that helped anybody. It sure helps me this morning. That's powerful to me. But the, the last thing I, I had down here, God has power in grave situations, and it's true. The, the last thing is the empty tomb fills me with devotion to God's plan. Now, what do you mean by that, Tim? There's something exciting about—I don't know about you—but nobody goes to the cemetery. Nobody wants to go to the cemetery. Now, I know you go visit occasionally. I just became a trustee for our family plot in Albion. It's the St. Ledger family that came from Ireland and England, the very first ones, and they immigrated and came to Illinois. And I'm now the trustee. I'm named after—I'm named after these people. And uh, the people are right now taking care of this cemetery are in their 80s and 90s and are looking for some new blood. And I said, well, I'm named after one of them. And they went, really? Yes. Are you interested? I said, yes. Because I remember as a kid, it's a little bitty plot in the middle of nowhere, I remember as a kid pulling grass and mowing, and my grandmother telling me who these people were. This was her great, or her grandfather and grandmother. But I haven't been there since I was a kid. Who wants to go to a cemetery? Guys, hey, let's go on a friend date. There's a mims, or what do you call them? Mimis or mims? Whatever you call them. Maze? Mimis? Memes? Whatever you call it. Let's go to friend date. Let's go to a cemetery. What are we going to do there? Nobody wants to go to a cemetery. I've been to funerals. Everybody can't wait to get out of there. But this tomb excites, it excites me. It excites me. That should excite you. Because this is the only one that's empty. This is the only one that, that, that has a plan behind it. God says, You know, what am I going to do Easter Sunday? What are you doing, guys? What are you doing? We're going to go Easter, and we're going to go eat with our families. Not me. I'm going to resurrect from the dead. Oh, you think you're so cool. <laughs> I'm coming out of the grave. Why would you do that? That tells me your plans are for more than the afternoon. Hmm? Isn't it ironic that Well, look at this. Uh, look at this passage first and I'll tell you something that so I catch here. Christ died for all of us so that those who lived would not continue to live for themselves. Look what it says. He died for them and was raised from the dead. There's resurrection. So that they would live for Him. Why is He coming out of the tomb? So He can be in my life. Why does He come out of the tomb? Because it's a plan that involves more than the afternoon, but a whole new life. Isn't it interesting that this thing, this tomb, by the way, uh, these, are the, these are the styrofoam sections we used for the cross last year. We are green here at Greater Alton. And cheap. It didn't cost anything. <laughs> okay. Jeff uh, Jeff, and Roger uh, put this together. Did Reggie help at all? Did he get to help at all? I, I, they're, they're our prop guys and they put this together and I thought isn't it ironic that it happens to be over our baptism? What? I, just, I noticed it as we're practicing. I'm going... We're, it's over the baptistry. One grave is over another one, and just like people who come out, Jesus came out. Look what it says here in Colossians two. Oh, I got to see this. Look at this. Look at this. His Colossians passage here. Pat, put it up there, please. Colossians two. He can't hear me. Here we go. Here's what it says. You got it on your notes. For you were buried with Christ when you were baptized. And with Him you were raised to a new life because you trusted in the mighty power of God who raised Christ from the dead. See, when Jesus came out of the grave, He didn't come out with, well, my hair looks a little better now. I've got a little bit of improvement. He came out a totally new body. Glorified could walk through walls, fly through the air, could do things he he didn't do before, but he's glorified before God, the reflection of God's glory, what God is like, the fruit of the spirit. And here in our baptistry, when you come out, you see, you've got to die and be buried before you can be raised. And when you're raised, you're not raised. Well, I won't yell at my wife so much now. That's a nice little change, a little adjustment. You know, he God doesn't want to adjust you; He wants to transform you—a new life. Praise God! He didn't come out. Jesus didn't come out wimping. He didn't, you know, he didn't, we have a zombie. He didn't come out still messed up. He come out alive. Was dead, now alive. And if if Christ could do that, if God could do that to His Son, He promises He can do that to you. But here's the second question as we close. I want you to think of Do you live like Jesus is out of the tomb? Or still in the tomb? What's that look like? I think you know. Will you live Because His plan is to change you. It's a process. He he makes a promise to you. And He made it, by the way, He made the promise three days after the resurrection. And that promise is now 2,000 years since then. 270,000 days after the resurrection. He now is saying, I want to change you too. But it all depends on whether, whether you believe, will you trust that he's, will you live and respond to an empty tomb, or will you continue to believe it's still filled? And that makes a big difference. You have a card in your bulletin, and the card is just simply a, a chance for you to respond to today's lesson. And I hope that uh, you think about it. God's plans. God's plan for you reaches far far than lunch in this afternoon. Easter is a thing He wants you to have the rest of your life. Would you would you think about that? What 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 are the plans God has for you? The plans to prosper you, not to harm you, to give you hope in the future. And will you will you let, will you embrace those plans? How do I do that, Tim? Well, maybe you need to get in a Bible study, study the Bible with somebody. Maybe it's simply I need to talk to somebody. You know, I've gotten away from God. I've gotten away from greater altar. I need to, I need to get with somebody and just talk about it. And, we, and guys, listen. It's one sinner helping another. Not somebody perfect helping somebody it's not. We're just one sinner helping another sinner. Trying to follow the Lord. I'll tell you what. We're, we, we're pretty experienced around here with sinning. We're pretty good at it. We, we can help you. We're qualified. We can help you. Maybe you need to make a decision like that. I just want to get with somebody. Or maybe you've got something that's going on. You need lots of prayer for. We believe "pray, pray, pray" is our motto. Pray, pray, pray when you got stuff going on. And may God give you that. May God help you with that. God wants to fill your life. You can't fill it if you keep it closed. You've got to open up your life to Him. We pray you do. You'll do that today, on this Easter Sunday.